We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Hello, folks. Welcome back to The E-Commerce Leader, the place for people to really become the e-commerce leader they feel they can be. And I guess coaching is part of that, isn't it? It's becoming the person you can be. As Jason mentioned, the the famous Dallas Cowboys football coach, Tom Landry, a coach is somebody who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has, see, has you see what you don't want to see. So you could be who you've always known you could be. So if if that's something that resonates with you, keep listening today. We're going to keep discussing the uh, things that a coach could help you achieve and then also the the four things that we believe that you should be looking for in a coach to make sure that they are the right person to help you and uh, at the end of course we will mention our our own coaching programs should they be relevant even if they're not and even if a coach isn't right for you at the moment all i'd say is um try to keep an open mind about this stuff it's very easy to veer between the gullibility of people in the very early stages of e-commerce where they'll buy everything that's out there and believe anyone or possibly just very confused all the way through to those who are swooping around the block a bit more who are very skeptical I would urge you to be skeptical as in demand proof, but not cynical as in believe nothing. Because if you close your mind to the opportunity of coaching with the right person, then I do think you're also cutting yourself off from a source of potential security, speed and and insight that could be very useful to you and your business. So anyway, stay listening and stay open-minded if you would. And I'll see you at the other end. Enjoy the show. So uh, more encouragingly, you've got another way of using a coach that is a bit more upbeat. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I always describe when we're working with new prospective, you know, coaching clients, I always describe what Kyle and I do is one part of it is just being a cheerleader hmm. and being an encourager. And and I and I find myself in our coaching conversations more and more trying to pause and take moments where the client has represented their outcome to us. And us and trying to be very intentional about stopping and just celebrating that moment with them and saying, you know, I, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll just ask them to look back like, hey, well, where were you at a year ago? Or, you know, what, what was this like six months ago, whether it was a you know, revenue number or whatever, just to give context by which they can be encouraged themselves. Because, you know, all of us are in just the grind with our businesses so much and the things that are broken are always the urgent things. And we can sometimes just blow past major milestones of real achievement and real positive outcome that any sane person would be like, let's throw a party. You know, like if, okay. if you were at a Google or something like, oh, let's take Friday and throw a party because we reached our big goal. But usually as kitchen table entrepreneurs or smaller business owners, we're just like back to this, you know, grindstone the very next minute after we've achieved a goal. <laughs> and so for me, I think a coach who's thoughtful about the emotional state of the client would be one that would be intentional about celebrating. And, in, and, and really giving somebody a, an attaboy, girl, way to go. You know, you, you just crush something that's hard to crush, but you mm. made it look great and, and easy even. And, and, and let them receive that 
And, and, and I think if it comes from a technical peer where you're like, hey, I do this all day long with our company and I know how hard that was to achieve and you just did something really great. That's very different than your mom saying, I'm so proud of you. You, you ha- seem to be not failing in life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a rather weak, yeah. I'm yeah. so proud of you. You seem to be not failing in life. That's <laughs> hilarious. But I, I like this. I mean, I think this is one of the things that Americans culturally are just better at. They, they get a bit sort of, frankly, you know, they, they, the, 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 well, I don't know. The downside on, on this and in social media meets, meets this culture ends up with the humble brag thing, which is horrendous. And we've talked about it before. But as a private right. conversation, I think that's really good. I, I think the Brits are kind of halfway between that and talking of, you know music teachers the traditional ones You're from the country german right You're yeah i was going to say what well, the countries where people are generally technically superb players are the germans and the russians and they are tough as hell mm-hmm. so my 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 russian piano uh, piano teacher was was a big sort of cuddly russian bear he was absolutely lovely but many of them are pretty pretty tough like my Very wife good. had a really super mm-hmm. tough teacher and yeah. the lack of praise does make things really tough i mean i think if you're really homing people for like the Olympic standard, which is kind of what you need to be if you're going to be even close to a solo piano career, which is what my, my wife studies in undergrad, that's tough as hell. But I mean, you're right. I, I think yeah. we give ourselves a hard time anyway. And it's a very British thing to kind of rather discount, not not be willing to, to celebrate success enough. It's not part of the culture here. And I think you're right that privately to give somebody the props, you're right. It's something I don't I don't really consciously do enough for myself or, or for my clients actually so i really like that as a good reminder i think and, it's very yeah. beneficial behavior for coaches because honestly mm-hmm. you're right you, you can't go to your family and friends or post on facebook hey i just made thirty thousand dollars net profit for the first time in yeah. a month yeah like you can't say stuff like that well, but, they think you're bragging, and also they have no right. idea how hard that was was right. to achieve. I mean, they, was that coach, just normal for you, or is that yeah. just a, a real sweat, or yeah. what did you have to do to get there? And you know, yes, exactly. They, they don't have the context, which, which, as you said, a technical peer understands what that means. So now you're yeah. bang on. It, it has yeah. to come from somebody who gets them. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, uh, that's another reason for a mastermind. I know we talked about separately. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing place to celebrate wins with people who actually get it you know, understand, but a coach is also a place to do that. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Fourth one on my list is a warning provider. Now I already talked <laughs> about the Billy Bob Thornton quote, yeah. you know, you press that button, I guarantee you, we, you kill us all. The, mm. So warning providers, that's very dramatic. It hardly ever happens. Most of the time it's nuance. You know, most of the time a warning provider as a coach is more like, you know, if you do it this way, you're going to run into this problem. I, I'm reminded of the Sherpas at like wherever it is. All oh, the, Everest. Probably, Everest I guess, and all yeah. places. You know, the K2, Sherpa, yeah. those are servant-hearted, humble guides. It's a good way to think about coaching where it's like, no, you don't want to take that path over there. That's a sheer cliff straight to your, you know, demise or, or it's just harder. Yeah. And this path over here is easier. And mm-hmm. so I look at it kind of that way. A lot of times it is nuance. It is just choices where one would work one way and the other would work a different way. But yeah. there's the nuance in between. And that's what you want to share with people and insights. And sometimes you don't know the answer and you just co-create with them or co- you know, commiserate with them um, <laughs> yeah. and, and research together with them. But, but many times you'll say, oh, we have you know nine clients that have done this exact same thing previously. And here's the outcomes that they've learned about and so i think that warning provider is is generally a, a just a, a gentle you know pointing in the right direction so that's the that's the fourth idea yeah. i like that one a lot and here's the thing there's the a case there's an artificial dichotomy that can people 
can assume that comes out of this, which is either mm. somebody saying, don't do that nuclear button sort of situation that you were describing, or just say long in blissful ignorance. And actually, what I think it comes down to is this, that accurate risk assessment, which sounds very unsexy, like the sort of thing an insurance company would demand from you. But actually, of all sort of sexy, kind of very classic entrepreneurial figures, but uh, Richard Branson is, is you know, the, the most famous one from the British version. And mm-hmm. and he's famously always doing crazy stuff. But he's he says that... That I was just reading the, the prelude to a book, Business Strip Bear, that he wrote. I think it was about in the middle of the 2008-9 sort of recession, which had kicked off because the banks hadn't looked at the downside risk. And he said he was speaking in some kind of famous luncheon to business people. And he said, yeah, what I don't understand is why they didn't protect against the downside risk. That's business job number one. And for all that everyone sees him as a risk-taking, swashbuckling, yeah, it's calculated risk, very calculated. And in order to do that, you want to know, first of all, what are the risks? If you're not a lawyer, how will you know what the legal risks are? If you're not an accountant, how would you see Mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 businesses, a sort of arc of 30 years? You can't get that on your own. And therefore, it's not a question of no or yes. It's a question of how risky is this? How much of my capital should I put into this? Yeah. How, what are the potential downsides? How do I guard against it? Mm-hmm. So that you end up with the, my other obsession, you know, risk reward ratio that is skewed. So you minimize the risk and you maximize the upside. Mm-hmm. That's how professional investors and professional entrepreneurs get rich. I think mm-hmm. it's not about yes or no. It's like the nuance. And, mm-hmm. and that's where, yeah, as you said, somebody who's got nine other clients doing, who's done the same thing is super useful. I mean, yeah. that could save you years, literally years of pain. I think that's when, that's when you really, you know, your coach earns their money for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my last one here on this little list is uh, number five is confidence builder or contextualization creator. And here's what I mean by that. Many times, if you're, you know, building a, an e-commerce company, I think all of us are in this situation or have been, you've never done it before. And a lot of times you don't know what good looks like. You don't know what uh, the, the, what the context in which you're operating it should look like. So a good coach is somebody who can say, hey, what's your, here's an example I always use with my clients, just as a little takeaway. I, I always talk about um, spending eight to 12% of your top line revenue on marketing because that's a contextualization of uh, your profit and loss statement and how you have your expense structured in your business. Many people have never heard that before. And, you know, consumer packaged goods spend up to like 20% on marketing. So, but when I share that with them, they're like, oh, okay, well, that's easy to figure out. What was my top line revenue the last month or last quarter or last year? And how much then did I spend on, on all the advertising related costs? They start to get a framework by which they operate their business. And that coaching, that speaking into someone's you know a business if you've never been been there before it's like you you just don't know the lay of the land and and there are many such examples in an e-commerce business where people might be crushing something compared to all their other peers in you know in the industry but they don't see it as successful because they don't know what the other peers in the industry have as outcomes and so a good coach is able to say oh you know, 3.4% e-commerce conversion rate in your Shopify site, that's good. The industry average is 2%. You're almost doubling the, you know, industry average. I'm like, what? I, I didn't know that. So, you know, this is the kind of framework and contextualization that a good coach can bring to the party. And so I think that's a key part of uh, a coach's role is create a framework in which you can explain the lay of the land in such a way that it, it inserts confidence into the business owner 
so that they understand, oh, I, I kind of know I'm, I'm getting a handle for how to run this business. I'm, I'm getting a handle for benchmarks and, uh-huh. you know, what's plausible in certain areas of my business, what's industry average, what's better than average, below average, and how I should look at it. Yeah, I like that. That that makes sense. I mean, yeah, sometimes you work on your own, you think you're doing badly when you're doing okay. Yeah, so I had a client who came to me, he knew it's, he's, it's a very, very small sort of early stage, but it, he's been trading for a year. And his, I think his profit margin on one product was sort of 53% gross margin before, you know, before any other costs or ads and stuff. And then his ad cost was really high. So I said, okay, so you do have a problem with the ad cost, but the reason for that is probably because your product is really highly priced relative to everything else. So actually, you know, it's not a terrible thing at all. I mean, you've got plenty of scope to reduce mm-hmm. your margin, which is never a word you want to hear. But, you know, the ad cost will probably reduce hugely because it will look like better value. So I said there'll be a sweet spot in the middle. So, again, he thought it was a bit broken. I was there to say, well, yeah, actually, it's not bad if, if you get the right blend between price and advertising spend that's where the maximum profit is and yeah and for example that the fact that he didn't know the fact that amazon i think at one point this is a micro example that shifted all their money they, they were spending on advertising and put it all to to take money off the price of uh, the products which is effectively a way of doing marketing but not a very radical way of doing it and actually they, they got a better return on investment and uh, that was more or less suggesting the same strategy to him and you know that that was again once you know that it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. once you've experienced it you go oh yeah i look at the economics of the cost of driving traffic versus the conversion rate and then you, you figure it out but as you say nobody you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what other people are doing if you're not yeah. with your peers and i have to say again banging the drum for masterminds that's a great way to quickly benchmark across you know even not the whole industry at least 10 other businesses whatever's in the room as well well you the way you just described it i liked which is it's almost like an engine and Mm. the the mechanic hears an engine and says i know exactly what's wrong with this engine whereas the layperson you're just the car driver they're like my car is broken (laughs) i don't know what's wrong it's broken but the mechanic knows exactly how to sort it out and and you're right. And, and, and the cautionary tale there is, you know, you can get, I know it sounds funny to say, but you can get into a six-figure e-commerce business accidentally almost. It's so, <laughs> it's, it, it is the, the, the barrier to entry for many selling methods is so low now. Yeah. But, but what happens frequently is there's no profit or there's kind of, you know, frustrations around other parts of it. And people don't know which direction to go. And, and the, the worst scenario is, is they give up on a good business because they hear a big clank in the engine or the transmission or they can't get it to shift into second gear when, in fact, there are parts that are working wonderfully or maybe even, you know, amazingly. There are just a couple parts that are messed up. And you, to your point, a good coach is like, I know how to fix this. Let's work on this certain element and it's going to magically come together. And, you know, and, and a lot of that in our business revolves around optimization of, of net profit and, yeah. and methods for, I mean, you get a lot of uh, people who have come into the industry, built a six figure, even seven figure business in terms of top line sales, which is what everyone always focuses on at the beginning, yeah. but haven't clarified how net profit actually works well yeah. and 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 the, and the systems by which they have money left at the end of the month you know the net profit component lots of detail and technical insights into all of that you know are important so anyway love your example there yeah yeah i i like that as well i mean i actually literally know a couple of people who've worked with me in the past and 
yeah, they got to seven figures and, and they were doing stuff that to me, I just thought you're working so hard. You're doing so many things really, really well that are super hard, like producing fantastically mm-hmm. engineered products, but they so very engineered the product that their cash flow, their cash conversion cycle was horrible yeah. to my mind. And their profit margin was a few percent. I thought this is tragic because you're working so hard, yeah. but you're not getting paid. And, and yeah. because there's an imbalance in the system. So because they were so expert in one area, it was like a guy who'd been working out in the gym and his right bicep was just huge and his left arm was kind of withered little thing and you know needed to be rebalanced and 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 you kind of can't see that especially if you happen to have a real technical skill that can make you almost a worse entrepreneur it's a weird thing to say i mean it it just depends how it happens to pan out by Mm -hmm. luck when you start off whether that aligns with the market and your business Mm -hmm. model and you know how it all comes together but i do think that Exactly what you said. The flip side is if that guy then turns around in a year and goes, I'm sick of working for a 4% profit margin and just gives up, that would be a tragic waste of all the great strengths he had in the business. So it's re-engineering rather than, than, you know, a black, again, to the point of not yes or no, but like that middle ground where you re-engineer something Mm -hmm. that in essence has a lot of strengths and Mm -hmm. some serious weaknesses, you re-engineer it. And you can turn it around. Uh, sometimes it's straightforward. Sometimes it's that that's more involved yeah. than my little hack with with this new newcomer, relative newcomer who's got you know a couple of products. Well, let's move to things you can look for in a coach. And there's mm. oh, we've got a few things here. Let's just rattle them off quickly, and then we can just kind of recap and and, sure. uh, and 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 challenge people to next steps. So things to look for when you're looking for a coach. Um, a coach should, we think, align with the specific business model or in e-commerce land uh, platform in which you want to operate in. So if you're building an Amazon business, don't look for an e-commerce coach that's only worked on WooCommerce or you know, you know, Alibaba. So look for an, a platform-specific coach that really does have deep domain knowledge and proven domain knowledge in their own right, with their own brands. And I always like to say to everybody, like if your coach or consultant or guru won't say, here's my brand, here's exactly what I sell, go look at my store, go look at my sales outcomes. If they can't do that, they're not a competent coach. And it's just that simple in my view. And I know that's harsh because I know that there are a lot of coaches who are for specific reasons, not putting out their brand or their name or their company or whatever, and still want to be coaches. But in my view, you have to be able to say, here's my examples that I can show you for my technical ability uh, on the platform that I work in. So that's the first one. I think the second one is you, you need a coach that can align with your strategically you know, position goals. So for example, you know, I work with a lot of people who are great on Amazon, but do nothing on Shopify, but I'm okay with that because they're total newbies on Shopify, but I get that they're really successful e-commerce sellers already. And so the alignment there is important. If, if they didn't want to launch into Shopify, I wouldn't be a good coach for them. You know, and or if they, you know, is so, so you got to get that strategy piece where that you're on the same set of, you know, business outcomes. And, and I think the third thing is you've got to have a coach that gets really good at tactical planning and operations. If, if a coach is not very good at the tactical marketing, tactical platform use, those kinds of elements. I think there's there's something wrong there. And then I think it's also finally somebody who really can hold you accountable and that you're willing to have hold you accountable. And the coaching sessions in which awkwardness ensues is when 
as a coach, I'd like to talk about some part of someone's business and they'd rather gloss over that area because they frankly don't want to talk about it. They're challenged by it and don't want to bring it up or, you know, and, and they're not ready to be held accountable to, you know, an issue or outcome related in that certain area. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on Think things you need to think about for for the coaching. Yeah, yeah, I agree with uh, uh, you know what you're saying. I think the the important thing is they're not just aligned with your needs in terms of a technical platform, but they actually also operate the same business model on it. Because particularly mm-hmm. on Amazon, for example, there's so many you know you you know better than me these days. Ironically, because of running or your Amazon sort of challenges mm-hmm. and things, that mm-hmm. there's so many different business models for selling on Amazon, and and they seem to an outsider pretty similar. And I said to this guy the other day, he was not sure what business models to run. I said two things i said first of all you need to consider whether private labeling is right for you and i spoke to him i said what outcomes you want he said i just want to make cash quickly and i said okay it isn't right for you then in my personal opinion and i therefore i won't be the right person to help you i can i can probably pass you on to somebody else in fact i probably need to chat chat to you about uh, danny stock and his coaching and 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 consulting and whatever else he offers but the point is i couldn't help that guy because even though it's all about amazon selling and i know a lot more about amazon selling than he does i don't specialize in the business model to the depth that he needs it. So that's the first thing. The business yeah. model matters. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the tactical and planning operation stuff is less important for a more advanced business. I think that's really important for the six, seven, you know, Amazon or, or Shopify or e-commerce sellers mm-hmm. generally, because you're still very hands-on with the operations. If it's yeah. a bigger business, strategic and more abstract advice can make more sense. I think that the, the operational piece is pretty important for most of the people that we are mm-hmm. probably addressing there. Right. And then, yeah, I take your point about willingness to have people hold you accountable I think that comes down, that brings us neatly back to the sort of start of the discussion. What is the nature of the coaching relationship or a coach, consultant, mentor? I guess, you know, there are different flavors of people and some people are more hardcore and some people are more more relaxed. And you need to just be clear about what it is you need and want and whether the person you're talking to is, is that kind of person. Because if you need somebody tough and they're a bit relaxed, that could be just as bad as the other way around, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I personally yeah. would rather err on the side of somebody who's positive but in the end very direct it depends on your personal preference where where you are on that sort of spectrum but i think that's mm-hmm. got to be a match because otherwise you could have a lot of pleasant conversations and then things drift for months and that's mm-hmm. actually not doing you any favors <clears throat> yeah no absolutely right and I, I totally agree with that and coaching i would just say as you both in, you and i coach people it's a real trick to know what do people need yeah what, it's what not do, easy what, always. Yeah, you what is be, the best way to actually yeah. help, support, and encourage? Because that's the goal. Obviously, the goal is to help them be successful. 100%. But then the question is, what what is the best path to helping them be successful? And that's always the trick. So, well, this is a wonderful conversation. Let's do a little recap. So, the first question is: figure out whether you need a coach, a consult, technical consultant, or a mentor, and or maybe a mastermind group, which would be a group, you know, dynamic, which we talked about in our prior episode. Those are the the different options. And then, you know, you want to think through the ways in which a coach can help you. And then the ways in which you should think about getting a coach, how, how you should look at, you know, what they can do for you and have alignment with what your outcomes are. Yeah. And just to recap your list, which I thought was a good one, the sort of five basic ways that a coach can help you is number Mm -hmm. one, technical skills improvement. Number two, a business advisory or sounding board, which is more general. And and the bigger you get, I think the more important that is, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
third thing is a cheerleader, which I really like, and I need to work on that more. And to the British, I need to be more encouraging when people achieve their aims. And you're bang on about that. Number four is a warning provider, you know, risk assessment uh, provider, if you want. And number five is a confidence builder by giving you context, which is really, really important. So, yeah, those are great things. So, obviously, you offer coaching at winning on Shopify.com. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your? coaching practice how that works sure kyle and i uh, do it together every session we do we generally both on the sessions and uh, it's a six-month program currently it's two thousand dollars a month so it's not inexpensive and we have an amazing group of clients we work with and we do it by application only and we do a front-end conversation where we figure out whether uh, the client is right for us and whether we're right for the client and we have certainly, you know, many times had it either way be the case that it were not a good match. And so we have a wonderful group. And we also put our group of individual coaching clients into what we call our CEO uh, mastermind, which is they get to meet each other and they have a weekly meeting as a group, which we facilitate, which is a blast. And, and actually, that's just an amazing, it's been amazing. It's turned into a great mastermind. We started that just in uh, six months ago or so. And it's just been terrific. And so that's the way our program works. When people need technical insights into certain areas, sometimes Kyle leads conversations. If And in other areas, I lead. Generally, I'm the Shopify and general branding guy. And Kyle's very, very technical marketing, detail savvy and Amazon centric in his his approach. And super competent in those areas. And so that's, yeah, that's how our program works. And uh, fun time. So winning on Shopify.com is where people can check it out. And there's in the menu structure, something that says coaching. Yeah. Excellent. Good to how about you? About that. Yeah. So yeah, offered two basic forms as well. So the one-to-one work and the, and the mastermind, although I have got something coming up actually and talk about in a second, it's new. So which makes a change. So I've been doing the other stuff for several years. So amazingfba.com forward slash mentoring. Is it mentoring? Is it coaching? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, so minor yeah, details. I, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's been geared to the needs of people who are new to the space. Generally speaking, more and more, and as the percentage of people who've already established is getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Not just Amazon. It turns out that some of the stuff I offer, I've got a, a person on Bold.com. We're working on his sort of a lot of the structures, particularly his financial strategy, which has been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I, I think it's fun because I'm that kind of nerd. And then just got a Shopify story in his, his approach. When I did say, look, you know, I'm not an expert in Shopify. I will have to pass you on to somebody at some point. And uh, he said, that's fine, but he wants to import stuff from China. I said, okay, well, that is something I can help with. So I've done a lot of that and worked with a lot of people. So that's that that program. Again, I try not to be too cheap because if people, to mm-hmm. your point about your story of the guitar player, if people aren't committed, they won't commit to action. If right. they don't take action, they're kind of wasting their time anyway. And I'd rather that we just said no thanks and parted as friends yeah. and then the other one is the amazonmastermind.com where we, we've been operating for three and a half years um, we're now 100% online we'll probably be venturing back to some face-to-face meetings in London England soon so it, it helps if you this side of the pond but we have Europeans in there as well anyone from Netherlands and, and Spain for example we've had people in and the thing that's coming up that I want to do is blend the two which I'm really excited about it's got a new mm-hmm. program coming up which is going to be specifically for those doing between about $10,000 and $50,000 a month on Amazon, which is an awkward stage of business. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be a blend of group and one-to-one, which I think is going to be really cool. And um, So if you want to check yeah. that out, just simply email me, michael at amazingfba.com. So that's more calls to action than any podcast should ever have ever. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, but anyway, the, so... The final call to action, I would say, is if you didn't go back and listen to our prior podcast about masterminds, 
we just dropped that one recently, so it should just be you know right underneath this one, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, listen to that one because the alternate to one-on-one coaching is, of course, joining a mastermind group, which is we did a deep dive on that topic as well. So that would be another thing people could check out. Yeah. And frankly, I think that's the thing that I probably offer that's best. I, I, I do a lot of one-on-one stuff and I think we've got some solid results from people, but I think the mastermind thing is quite a special thing and I'm quite yeah. passionate about that and we've done a lot of it. And yeah, there's a, another Richard Branson quote to top, top it off, which is, he says, culture uh, beats strategy every or eat strategy for breakfast. And there is something about the culture of a good mastermind, which sounds mm-hmm. like we've both got going in our respective yeah. corners of the world. That is a very special thing. And, and it doesn't have to be either or. In the end, you can combine one-to-one coaching and a mastermind, which is the best possible of all worlds, right? Absolutely right. All right, man. As always, amazing conversation. Thank you for your insights and perspective. And uh, it's really an honor to be able to do the e-commerce leader podcast with you. So thanks so much. Thank you. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.